Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Forbidden Podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and today we'll be reading Chapter 2 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, The Vanishing Glass. So let's get started. Chapter 2, The Vanishing Glass. Nearly ten years had passed since the Dursleys had woken up to find their nephew on the front step, but Privet Drive had hardly changed at all. The sun rose on the same tidy front gardens and lit up the brass number four on the Dursley's front door. It crept into their living room, which almost exact, which was almost exactly the same as it had been on the night when Mr. Dursley had seen that fateful news report about the owls. Only the pair, um, only the photographs on the mantelpiece really showed how much time had passed. Ten years ago, there were there had been lots of pictures of what looked like a large pink beach ball wearing different colored bonnets. But Dudley Dursley was no longer a baby, and the photographs showed a, a large blonde boy riding his first bicycle on the carousel at the fair, playing a computer game with his father, being hugged and kissed by his mother. The room held no sign that another boy lived in the house, too. Yet Harry Potter was still there, asleep at the moment, but not for long. His Aunt Petunia was awake, and it was, <clears throat> and it was her shrill voice that made the first noise of the day. Up, get up now. Harry woke with a start. His aunt rapped on the on the door again. Up, she screeched. Harry heard her walking toward the kitchen, and then the sound of of, of the frying pan being put on the stove. He rolled onto his back and tried to remember the dream he had been having. It had been a good one. There had been a flying motorcycle in it. He had he had a funny feeling he'd had the same dream before. His aunt went, was back outside the door again. Are you up yet? She demanded. Nearly, said Harry. Well, get a move on. I want you to look after the bacon. And don't you dare let it burn. I want everything perfect on Daddy's birthday. Harry groaned. What did you say? His aunt snapped through the door. Nothing, nothing. Dudley's birthday. How could he have forgotten? Harry slowly, <clears throat> Harry slowly, Harry got slowly out of bed and started looking for socks. He found a pair under his bed, and after pulling a spider off of one of them, off of them, put them on. Harry was used to spiders because the cupboard under the stairs was full of them, and that was where he slept. When he was when he was dressed, he went. When he was dressed, he went down the hall into the kitchen. The table was almost hidden beneath all of Dudley's birthday presents. It looked as though Dudley had gotten a new the new computer he wanted, but not to mention the second television and the racing bike. <coughs> exactly why Dudley wanted a racing bike was a mystery to Harry as Dudley was very fat and hated exercise, unless, of course, it involved punching somebody. Dudley's favorite punching bag was Harry, but he couldn't ca- often catch him. Harry didn't look, but he, Harry didn't look it, but he was very fast. Perhaps it, had been, perhaps it had something to do with living in a dark cupboard, but Harry had always been this small and skinny for his age. He looked even smaller and skinnier than he really was, all because all he had to wear were, were old clothes of Dudley's, and Dudley were about four times bigger than he was about four times bigger than he was.
Harry had a thin face, knobbly knees, black hair, black hair, and bright green eyes. He wore round glasses. <clears throat> oh, I lost my spot. Hang on. He wore round glasses held together with a lot of scotch tape because of all the times Dudley had punched him in the nose. The only thing Harry liked about his own appearance was a very thin scar on his forehead that was shaped like a bolt of lightning. He had he had had it as long as he could remember, and the first question he could ever he could ever remember asking his aunt Petunia was how he had gotten it. In the car in the car crash, your parents died. When your parents died, she had said, "Don't ask questions." Don't ask questions. That was the first rule for a quiet life with the Dursleys. <clears throat> Uncle Vernon entered the kitchen as Harry was turning over the bacon. Comb your hair, he barked by way of a morning greeting. About once a week, Uncle Vernon, Uncle Vernon, about once a week, Uncle Vernon looked over the top of his newspaper and shouted at Harry that he needed a haircut. Harry must have had more haircuts than the rest of the boys in his class put together, but it made no difference. His hair simply grew that way all over the place. Harry was frying eggs by the time Dudley, ha Dudley arrived in the kitchen with his mother. Dudley looked a lot like Uncle Vernon. He had a large pink face, not much neck, small watery blue eyes, and thick blonde hair that lay smoothly on his thick fat head. <clears throat> Aunt Petunia often said that Dudley looked like a baby girl, a baby angel. Harry often <clears throat> said that Dudley looked like a pig in a way. Harry put the plates of egg and bacon on the table, which was difficult as there wasn't much room. Dudley, meanwhile, was counting his presents. His face fell. Oh, 36, he said, looking up at his mother and father. That's two less than last year. Darling, you haven't counted Aunt Marge's present. You see, see, it's there. The, see, it's the hair under this big one from Mummy and Daddy. All right, 37 then, said Dudley, going red in the face. Harry, who could see a, a huge Dudley tantrum coming on, began wolfing down his bacon as fast as possible in case Dudley turned the table over. Epitunia obviously scented danger too, because she was because she said quickly, "And we'll buy you t another two presents while we're out today." How was that, pumpkin? Two more presents. Is that all right? Dudley thought for a moment. It sounded like hard work. It it looked like hard work. Finally, he said, "So I'll have thirty, thirty, thirty-nine, sweet Emma," said Aunt Petunia. Oh. Dudley sat down heavily and grabbed the nearest parcel. All right, then. Uncle Vernon chuckled. <clears throat> Little Tyke wants his money's worth just like his father had a boy, Dudley. He ruffled Dudley's hair. Sorry, I kind of have like a sore throat, so I got some water. <clears throat> At that moment, the telephone rang, and Aunt Petunia went to answer it while Harry and Uncle Vernon watched Dudley unwrap the racing bike, a video camera, a remote control airplane, 16 new video, new computer games, and a VCR. He was ripping the paper off a gold wristwatch when Aunt Petunia came back from the telephone looking both angry and worried. 
Bad news, Vernon, she said. Mrs. Figg's broken her leg. She can't take him. She jerked her head in Harry's direction. Dudley's mouth fell open in horror, but Harry's heart gave a leap. Every year on Dudley's birthday, his parents took him and a friend out for the day to adventure parks, hamburger restaurants, or the movies. Every year, Harry was left behind with Mrs. Figg, a mad old lady who lived in two, who lived two streets away. Harry hated it there. The whole house smelled of cabbage, and Mrs. Figg made him look at photographs of all the cats she'd ever owned. Now what? said Aunt Petunia, looking furiously at Harry, as though he'd planned this. Hurry up. Harry knew he ought to feel sorry that Mrs. Frigg had broken his le- her leg, but it wasn't easy when he when he reminded himself it would be a whole year before he had to look at Tiddles, Snowy, Mr. Paws, and Tufty again. We should phone Marge, said Uncle Vernon's suggestion. Don't be silly, Vernon. She hates the boy. The Dursleys often spoke about Harry like this, as though he wasn't there, or rather, as though he was something very nasty and couldn't understand them, like a slug. What about, what's her name, your friend, Yvonne? On vacation in Majorca, snapped Aunt Petunia. You could just leave me here, Harry put in, hopefully. He'd be able to watch what he wanted on television for a change, and maybe even go on Dudley's computer. And Petunia looked as though she'd just swallowed a lemon. And come back to find the house in ruins, she snarled. I won't blow up the house, said Harry, but the, but they weren't listening. I suppose we can take him to the zoo, said Aunt Petunia slowly, and leave him in the car. The car's new, he's not sitting in it alone. Dudley began to cry loudly. In fact, he wasn't really crying. It had been years since he'd really cried. Since he'd really cried. But he knew that if he screwed up his face and wailed, his mother would give him anything he want. He wanted. Dinky diddy dums, don't cry. Mummy won't let him spoil your special day. She cried, flinging her arms around him. I don't want him to to come. Dudley yelled between huge pretend sobs. He always spoils everything. He shot a nasty. He shot Harry a nasty grin through the through the gap of his in his mother's arms. Just then, the doorbell rang. Oh, good, they're here," said said Aunt Petunia frantically. And a moment later, Dudley's best friend Pierce Polkus <clears throat> walked in with his mother. Pierce was a scrawny boy with with a face like a rat. He was usually the one who held people's arms behind their backs when Dudley hit them. Dudley stopped pretending to cry at once. <sighs> half an hour half an hour later, Harry, who couldn't believe his luck, was sitting in the back of the Dursley's car with Piers and Dudley on <clears throat> on the way to the zoo for the first time in his life. His aunt and uncle had hadn't been able to think of anything else to do with him, but before they left, Uncle Vernon had had taken Harry aside. I'm warning you, he said, putting his large purple face right up close to Harry's. I'm warning you now, boy. Any funny business, anything at all, and you'll be in that cupboard from now until until Christmas. 
I'm not going to do anything, said Harry, honestly. But Uncle Vernon didn't believe him. No one ever did. The problem was, strange things often happened around Harry, and it was just no good telling the Drizzlies that he didn't make it, them happen. Once, Aunt Petunia, tired of Harry coming back from the barbers, looking as though he hadn't been at all, had taken a pair of kitchen scissors and cut his hair so short he was almost bald except for his bangs, which she left <coughs> to hide that horrible scar. Dudley had laughed himself silly at Harry, who, who spent a sleepless night imagining school the next day, where he was already laughed at for his baggy clothes and taped glasses. Next morning, however, he had gotten up to find his hair exactly as it had been before, and Petunia had sheared it off. He had been given a week in his cupboard for this, even though he had tried to, to explain that he couldn't explain how it had grown back so quickly. Another time, Aunt Petunia <clears throat> had been trying to force him into a revolting old sweater of Dudley's, brown with orange puffballs. The harder she tried to pull it over his head, the smaller it seemed to, to become, until finally it might have fitted a hand puppet, but certainly, but it's, but certainly wouldn't fit Harry. And Petunia had decided it must have shrunk in the wash, and to his relief, Harry was unpunished. On the other hand, she'd gotten <clears throat> he'd gotten into terrible trouble for being found on the roof of the school kitchens. Dudley's gang had been chasing him as usual, when, as much to Harry's surprise as anyone else's, <clears throat> there he was sitting on the chimney. The Dursleys had no had received a very angry letter letter from Harry's headmistress, telling him telling them Harry had been climbing school buildings. But all he had tried to do, as he shouted at Uncle Vernon through the locked door of his cupboard, was jump behind the big trash cans outside the kitchen doors. Harry supposed that the wind must have caught him in mid jump. But today nothing was going to go wrong. It was even worth being with Dudley and Piers to be spending the day somewhere that wasn't school, his cupboard, or Mrs. Fig's cabbage-smelling living room. When he, while he drove, Uncle Vernon complained to Aunt Petunia. He liked to complain about things. People at work, Harry, the council, Harry, the bank, and Harry were just a few of his favorite subjects. This morning, it was motorcycles. Roaring along like maniacs, the, long, the young hoodlums, he said as the motorcycle overtook them. I had a dream about a motorcycle, said Harry, remember, suddenly. It was flying. Uncle Vernon nearly crashed the car into the, the car in front. He turned right around in his seat and yelled at Harry, his face like a gigantic beet with a mustache. Motorcycles do not fly. Dudley and Pierce sniggered. <clears throat> I know they don't, said Harry. It was only a dream. But he wished he hadn't said anything. If there was one thing the Dursleys hated even more than asking questions, it was talking about. <clears throat> if the Dursleys hated any more than asking questions, it was, it was his talking about anything acting in a way it shouldn't, no matter if it was a dream or even a cartoon. They even seemed to think he might get. They seemed to think he might get dangerous ideas. 
It was a very sunny Saturday, and the zoo was crowded with families. The Dursleys brought, bought Dudley and Piers large chocolate ice creams at the entrance, and then, because the smiling lady in the van had asked Harry what he wanted before they could hurry him away, they bought him a cheap lemon ice pop. It wasn't bad either, Harry thought, looking as they watched a gorilla scratching its head, who looked remarkably like Dudley, except it wasn't blonde. Harry had the best morning he'd gone he'd had in a long time. He was careful to walk a little way apart from the Dursley so that Dudley and Pierce, who were starting to get bored of with the animals by lunchtime, wouldn't fall back on their favorite hobby of hitting him. They they ate in the zoo restaurant, and when Dudley had a tantrum because his knickerbocker <clears throat> glory didn't have enough ice cream on top, Uncle Vernon bought him another one, and Harry was allowed to finish the first. Harry felt afterward that he should have known it was all too good to last. After lunch, they went to the reptile house. It was cool and dark in there, with lit windows all across, all along the walls. Behind the glass, all sorts of lizards and snakes were crawling and slithering over bits of wood and stone. Dudley and Piers wanted to see huge, poisonous cobras and thick, man-eating pythons. Dudley quickly found the largest snake in the place. It could have wrapped its body twice around Uncle Vernon's car and smashed it into a trash can. But at the moment it didn't see it. But at the moment it didn't look in the mood. In fact, it was fast asleep. Dudley stood on stood with his nose pressed against the glass, staring at the glistening round coils. <sighs> Make it move. He whined at his father. Uncle Vernon tapped on the glass, but the snake didn't budge. Budge. Do it again. Dudley ordered. Uncle Vernon wrapped the glass smartly with his knuckles, but the snake just snoozed on. This is boring, said Dudley. Dudley moaned. He shuffled away. Harry moved in front of the tank and looked intently at the snake. He he wouldn't have been surprised if it had died of boredom itself. No company, no company except stupid people drumming the, their fingers on the glass, trying to disturb it all day long. It was worse than having a cupboard as a bedroom, where the only visitor was Aunt Petunia, hammering on the door to wake you up. At least he got to visit the rest of the house. The snake suddenly opened its beady eyes. Slowly, very slowly, it raised its head until its eyes were level on it were on a level with Harry's. It winked. Harry stared. Then he looked quickly around to see if anyone was watching. They weren't. He looked back at the snake and winked too. The snake jerked its head toward Uncle Vernon and Dudley, then raised its eyes to the ceiling, gave Harry a look that said quite plainly, I get that all the time. I know, Harry murmured through the glass, though he wasn't sure the snake could hear him. It must be really annoying. The snake nodded vigor vigorously. Where do you come from anyway? Harry asked. <laughs> the snake jabbed its tail at a little sign uh, next to the glass. Harry peered at it. <sighs> Fair, er, bow constrictor, Brazil, Brazil. Was it nice there? The bow constrictor jabbed its tail at the sign again, and Harry read on. This specimen was bred in the zoo. Oh, I see. You were ne you've never so you've never been to Brazil. As the snake shook its head, a deafening shout came beh from behind Harry. A deafening shout behind Harry made both of them jump.
Sorry. Something happened outside. Sorry. Um. Dudley, Mr. Drewsley, come, come and look with this, at the snake. You won't believe what it's doing. Dudley came waddling toward them as fast as he could. Out of the way, you, he said, punching Harry in the ribs. Caught by surprise, Harry fell far hard on the concrete floor. What came next happened so fast that no one saw how it happened. One second, Piers and Dudley were leaning up right up close to the glass, and next they had left back in house of horrors. In house of horror. Harry sat up and gasped. The glass, the glass front of the bone constrictor's tank had vanished, and the the great snake was uncoiling itself rapidly, slithering onto the floor. People throughout the the reptile house screamed and started running for the exit. As the snake swiftly passed him, Harry could have sworn a low hissing voice said, "Brazil, here I come. Thanks, amigo." The keeper of the reptile house was in shock. But the glass, he kept saying. Where did the glass go? The zoo director made him made Amphitunia strong cup, a cup of strong sweet tea while he apologized over and over again. Piers and Dudley could only gibber. As far as Harry had seen, the snake hadn't passed, hadn't done anything except playfully snap at their heels when it as it passed. But by the time they were all back in Uncle Vernon's car, Dudley was telling them how it had nearly bitten his leg off, while Pierce was swearing it tried to squeeze him to death. But worst of all, for Harry at least, was Pierce calming down enough to say, Harry was talking to it, weren't you, Harry? Uncle Vernon waited until Pierce was safely out of the house before starting on Harry. He was so angry he could hardly speak. He managed to say, go. Covered, stay, no meals. Before he collapsed into a chair, and Aunt Petunia ran to get him a large brandy. Harry lay in his dark cupboard much later, imagine wishing he had a watch. He didn't know what time it was, and he couldn't be sure the Dursleys were asleep yet. Unless they were, he could risk. He couldn't risk sneaking into the kitchen for some food. Until they were, he couldn't risk sneaking into the kitchen for some food. He lived with the Dursleys almost ten years, ten miserable years, as long as he could remember. Ever since he'd been a baby and his parents had died in that car crash. He couldn't remember being in the car crash when his parents had died. Sometimes he strained, when he strained his memory during long hours in his cupboard, he came up with a strange vision, a blinding flash of green light, a burning pain in his forehead. This, he supposed, was the crash, although he couldn't imagine where all the green light came from. He couldn't remember his parents at all. His aunt, his aunt and uncle never spoke to him about them, and of course what he, forbid, he was forbidden to ask questions. There was no p- photographs of them in the house. When he had been younger, Harry had dreamed and dreamed of some unknown relation coming to take him away, but it had never happened. The Dursleys were the only were his only family. Yet sometimes he thought, or maybe he hoped, that strangers in the street seemed to know him. Very strange strangers they were too. A tiny man in a violet top hat had bowed to him once while they were out shopping with Aunt Petunia and Dudley, after a, after asking Harry furiously if he knew the man. 
Her Aunt Petunia had rushed them out of the shop without buying anything. A wild, a wild-looking old woman dressed in all green had waved merrily at him on, once on a bus. A bald man in a very long purple coat had actually shaken his hand in the street the other day and then walked away without saying a word. Without a word. The weirdest thing about all of these people was the way they seemed to vanish the second Harry tried to get a closer look. At school, Harry had no one. Everyone knew that Dudley's gang hated the odd of Harry Potter in his baggy old clothes and broken glasses, and nobody liked to disagree with Dudley's gang. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to this podcast. <laughs> um... Um, I don't know if I will post, um, another episode, like, soon or, like, next week or something. I don't know. I'm still kind of figuring that all out. <laughs> um, but, again, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, tell your friends. If they like Harry Potter, even if they don't like Harry Potter and they just need something to listen to, just tell them. Yeah, that'd be really appreciated. Very appreciated. For me, because, you know, as I'm recording this right now, I don't even think I have any listeners. Except, like, myself. Let me see. Oh, well, um, let me see. Yeah, Zero, both of my episodes have, well, the trailer and my first episode both have zero plays, which is funny because I actually played them last night. Huh. But... Yeah. Anyways, yeah, tell your friends. Even if they don't like Harry Potter, just tell them, hey, there's this podcast that I think is really cool. You should listen to it. Even if you don't think it's cool, just tell them. Be appreciated by me. And also, I'm thinking of making an email for it, for this I don't know why yet, but once I do, you can just, like, tell me your, like, pro- your Harry Potter profile, like, what house you're in, what's your Patronus, who your favorite character is, etc. And, like, I don't know, just whatever, I guess. And I'll probably make a website for that because I have nothing else to do, and I've made a few websites. Also... If you're looking for something else to read, I have a website that I'm making. It's in the making right now, and I will let you know when it's finished. But it, so I write books. I write books just like on Google Docs. But since I can't get them published, I thought I should make a website for it so that people can read it. So, again... It's not done yet, so I don't have, like, a URL address to give you. 
or anything. But, um, but, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, it's just, like, one chapter will release every Saturday of, like, each book. And then you can read each chapter, and, like, then you have to wait for the next chapter. Yeah. So, if you're looking for something to read, wait until I finish that. I've been working on it a lot lately, so I think it, it's really close to being done, actually. Um, it just has, um, here I'm on it right now, let me see. There are, one, two, three, four, there are eight books on it right now. Of course, like I said, it's not finished, but there are eight books on it that you will be able to read once I publish it. And then I will put the URL in um, the episode description that I announce it for. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, thank you so much for listening. Next time, I don't know when it will be, but next time I release an episode, we will, I will be reading, um, chapter three of Harry Potter, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Letters, the letters from no one, right? And let me just check in my book right here. Yep, the letters from no one. I'm really excited. Okay. Thank you for listening. And remember, you are probably way more sane than I am. Shoot. I don't have music. Do, 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 do.